Hi, loves. I cannot tell you how excited I am for today's guest. She is just an incredible woman, a powerhouse, a speaker, a beautiful mama. I have the amazing Amberly Lago, who is a health and wellness coach, TEDx speaker, podcaster, and a leading expert in the field of resilience and transformation. She is the best-selling author of The True Grit and Grace and empowers people around the world by sharing her story, how she turned a tragedy into triumph. Through her book, coaching methods, and workshops, she has curated unique tools to teach others how to tap into their own superpower of resilience and preserve through any life's challenges. She offers hope and solutions for anyone just like her living in chronic pain to live life to the absolute fullest. Amberly has been seen on NBC's Today Show, The Doctors, Hallmark, you name it, and as well as major magazines, Shape, Fit Pregnancy, Health, and so much more. Amberly, welcome to my show, and you're also become a good friend of mine as I was on your podcast, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I love you. It's like we connected. You were on my podcast and it was instant connection. And now I get to see you guys soon at the barn too. So thank you for having me on your show. And it's really my intention to share as many tips and and tools that you think will help your listeners because I know it's a tough time right now. I know it's crazy over at our house with we're still pretty locked down over here um, and doing homeschooling and all that jazz. So I know. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And I know, and anyone that's listening that's in California knows, like, we basically, even though we're not in lockdown, we're basically still in lockdown because everyone feels the same. Like, you haven't really seen many people. You're basically in quarantine. You're at home. We're all homeschooling. We're all doing all the things. And so I love that you're all about sharing that message of, like, how, how do I help you? But truly, like, how do you have grit and grace? And that was, like, I told you when I went on your show, I was so honored to be on, to get to share my story and I love how you really just put others out there to be like hey look like it doesn't have to be tragedy it can be triumph and it may be hard but like you can do it and I just love your message so before we get into things I have so many things to ask you can you just tell people that maybe don't know who you are or you know like how you came to be and just give us a little backstory of like why you came to True Grit and Grace why the book why share your story well, yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, you know what? I was I was a professional dancer, moved out to California to pursue my dreams of dancing and got to travel the world doing that and loved it. But after I had my first daughter, I wanted to, you know, I was in Japan and I had to leave my daughter home and I missed her first birthday. And I was like, forget this. I cannot be on the road traveling, doing this anymore, but what can I still do that I love and, you know, have a career. And so I chose fitness and I've been in the fitness industry and uh, trainer for, oh my goodness, 24, almost 25 years now. Wow. And, but that, and, and loved, you know, I just heard a podcast the other day with body by Jake and I was like, Oh my God, body by Jake is still around. I don't know if you know who he is, but I was in one of his infomercials back in the day. He was like the guy, the fitness guru. And so that was one of the highlights of my fitness career was being sponsored by Nike and working for body by Jake and, um, doing infomercials and, um, that 
that was all given I, and I was hit by an SUV while riding my motorcycle home from work. And, you know, I saw the car coming, but it was too late. I tried to jump off my bike. I couldn't do anything except for just let the clutch off. And then I was thrown in the air about 30 feet and I was sliding across Ventura Boulevard. When I finally came to a stop, I looked down at my leg and it was completely crushed into pieces. And my, one of my first thoughts was, um, well, I may have to train clients on crutches for a while. Like my default is to, okay, well, what can I do? What else can I do? How can I get around this? And looking back, it was like, I had no idea that this would drastically change the rest of my life. I had no idea that, you know, my femoral artery was severed. I was bleeding out in the street and, and thank God I had no idea that you can bleed out pretty quickly when your femoral artery is severed. Um, but you know, long story short, um, I, in the hospital, the last things are crazy. I had never seen my husband cry. He's, you know, he's a six, four, he's huge. He's a first responder. He's, you know, a cat, he just retired. He was a captain with a highway patrol and he is this big, tough guy. And I had never seen him cry and he was crying hysterically. And I remember just yelling across the ER, Johnny, get over here. I need you to be strong for me. And at that moment, I didn't know if I was ever going to wake up again. I didn't know if I, I needed to know before they were putting me under that he was going to be able to take care of our two daughters. Um, the first thing I learned when I woke up from a coma was they were going to amputate my leg. Now, being a dancer my whole life, being a fitness trainer, you know, running was my drug of choice. I ran everywhere. I was the main winner of the family, um, my business. And to be told they were going to amputate my leg, they said, you know, you've got a 1% chance. And so we're going to have to amputate it. And I thought, well, there's, there's hope. There's 1% chance. There's still a chance. So let's try to save it. That took 34 surgeries and it took, you know, I was in the hospital for months, um, thousands of hours of excruciating physical therapy, a lot of and by God's grace, they saved my leg, but then I was diagnosed with an incurable nerve disease. And so my pain has been my biggest teacher. It has taken me to my rock bottom and his um, own about myself. Uh, things from that I realized I was trying from, and everything really. When you know, when you're stuck in a hospital bed and you are left with your feelings, and I could not physically run from them anymore. It just, you know, it changed everything. And so I realized I didn't have really any coping skills and I had to learn a lot of coping skills. I also um, learned a lot through the process with complex regional pain syndrome, um, how to listen to my body, how to love myself again, how to have acceptance because, you know, I went from being 
a fitness model to being completely scarred up from the hip down. And so it's been a long journey. And um, what I really am passionate about now is sharing with others that, you know, we all have a choice. We have this um, moment that we get to decide you know, we can't always decide what life throws our way, but we get to decide how we respond to it. And I think that, you know, with a lot of grit and uh, perseverance that we can get through those life's challenges. And that's, you know, what I'd love to share with your listeners today. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. I can't even imagine like laying there and like bleeding out but not knowing you're bleeding out. I mean that just sounds insane and so I'm so sorry that happened to you but I love that you truly decided after going through all that and you know finding your strength that you could take that tragedy and turn to triumph. So fast forward obviously to today you have this amazing best-selling book True Grit and Grace. You have your incredible podcast where you empower people you know you're coaching you're doing all these things. What made you come to true grit and grace what spoke to you to say you know what this is now my calling this is now what i'm going to be doing because i can no longer do obviously what i was doing before well you know i remember i was in the hospital bed and i had just gotten home from the hospital and i was so happy to be home but i i still could not do any weight bear i couldn't stand up i couldn't use the bathroom on my own i'd lost about 20 pounds of muscle. I was, you know, went from this elite athlete to now all of a sudden I'm covered with bed sores. Um, it's a humbling experience. And I was the kind of person who, you know, didn't, it was hard for me to ask for help. I guess I was kind of stubborn. I was like, I grew up in Texas where it was like, you know, I was taught cowgirl up or it was basically like pull up your bootstraps and, and get her done. Like you can tough this out. And I remember I was in the hospital bed and um, one of my colleagues came over to talk to me. They said, well, you can't be a trainer anymore. So what are you going to do? And I had a doctor that was like, well, you need to stay in your, you're going to be in your wheelchair for your life. The rest of your life, you have this disease, you're going to be in pain. There's no known cure. And, and by the way, this disease is dubbed the suicide disease because it's ranked highest on this pain scale and there is no known cure. And I mean, I, we've spent thousands on treatments and procedures and drugs. I mean, at one time I was on 11 different prescription medications and I was taking 73 homeopathic pills a day in and out of the hospital, doing ketamine infusions, had a spinal stimulator. We had a lien on our house to pay for, um, pain treatments and you know pain can make you do some pretty desperate things and i remember fighting so hard to finally get back to like i am going to train clients again and feeling so broken and thinking you know who who's going to want to train with me and to my surprise my career boomed very quickly and i think it's because people saw me in the gym and in my wheelchair they saw me you know with crutches they saw me back in the wheelchair they saw me barely walking but still working out and doing whatever i could to get stronger every day and so my business boomed i was so happy to be back training and i was killing myself 
because I was pushing through the pain to train these clients. And then I would get home and be in so much pain that I was worthless to myself, to my family. And then the pain, the disease that I have started to spread. And that was my wake up call. That was like, I have to do something else. And so for anybody out there who's like thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm too old. How can I reinvent myself? Or I'm not smart enough. I don't think I can do a career that's other than anything I've done my whole life or, or whatever the, you know, I can't do it or I'm not enough are. Um, for me, I had experienced all that, but I was like the passion inside of me far outweighed the fear I had about not being smart enough or not being good enough to reinvent myself. And I thought all of this could not have happened for just no reason. Like I was given the gift of hope and maybe I can give that to someone too. And so I had a lot of people asking me to share my story with like, it started out with, Hey, can you call my aunt? She really needs some motivation. Can you call her and help her? And so then I went to school to be a life coach. And so I got certified to be a life coach. And then I started coaching one-on-one. -on -one. And then I got asked to speak at small networking groups or schools or the National Charity League, or I got, you know, spoke at the Dress for Success or, and the thing, it wasn't even something, I didn't even know that you could make a living doing speaking. And little by little, I, I started getting asked to do these speaking events. And so then I went and took a, you know, paid to have a, a personal, like a company that taught me how to put together, you know, presentations, because I had never done that. And then people were like, well, you should write a book. And I had no idea how to write a book, but I was like, well, if I could share my message in that way, then I want to write a book. So I hand wrote my entire book and people think that that's crazy when they're like, you wrote a book by hand. And, and I'm like, yes, I wrote a book by hand. I went and bought a computer. Now my whole life, I lived on a gym floor or, and before that a dance floor. So I didn't even own a computer, bought a computer, didn't know how to do anything. Didn't even know how to attach a picture to an email so I went to the Apple store and took a class on how to just do basic functions of a computer. And in, in that class, I remember the guy was like, um, stopped teaching the class and was like, um, I just have to say, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of impressed that you raise your hand to ask so many questions that you're not embarrassed to do that. And I was like, no, I'm not embarrassed. I really need to learn this stuff. And I know I don't know anything about it. So um, that is how I've been my whole life. Like, I, if I don't know something, I will, you know, hire a mentor who's done it before me. If I don't know how to do something, I hire, you know, a coach to teach me how to do it. I didn't know how to write a book. So I took a class. I didn't know how to use a computer. I took a class. And so whatever it is that you're passionate about, um, yes, you, you can probably figure out how to do it on your own, but I'm such a firm believer that if you hire somebody or you have somebody in your life that can mentor you, that can help you along the way, then you can get to point A to point B much faster. And for me, my passion is really about 
people. I love people. I love connecting with people. So the speaking, and I've realized more than ever during COVID, the reason I speak at conferences and schools, it's because I love people. And I think the hardest thing about, you know, being kind of locked down, events haven't really started up for me, um, yet we're still doing everything virtually, is I miss the the people connecting and it's so much different when you don't see people or, or even if you see them through a screen. And so I'm passionate about seeing that light come on in people and shine when they realize, Oh my God, she went through something similar that, or, or she has the same nerve disease or she was a single mama too, or she started her business from scratch or she didn't know how to write a book and she did it. And they can say, well, if she did it, I can too. I love sharing the ways that I have figured out how to do things because I love seeing people grow and learn and, and, and just, become the best versions of themselves. So that is really what inspired me to keep, it still inspires me to keep going, whether, you know, it's through social media posts or my podcast or, or whatever I can do to connect people with one another. Cause I just don't think we're meant to do things alone. I think that we're stronger together. I love that message because I think you're right. Like so many times people feel like they feel ashamed. Like I know I have with, you know, my own postpartum depression. And I think that it's really easy for us to, you know, feel ashamed. And then also to feel like you said, like when you feel like so much pride and you don't want to ask for help and you don't want to look like you need help. And it's like, we're all here truly for each other. Like as a collective, we really are all there for each other, whether we realize it or not. And I love that you say that, like you've used so much of you finding hope to instill hope in others. And I think that sometimes we forget like how much just even giving someone hope can make such a difference, even if it's not the final answer and it's just the stepping stone or just the first stair, like it's just so important. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, for me, that 1% chance of saving my leg was the glimmer of hope that I needed to get me through 34 surgeries, you know? Um, and sometimes I remember when I was first starting out and starting, you know, this new journey of not just the fitness training, but cause I still have a few clients that I train that I've had for like 10, 15, one for 20 years that I just, I think I'll train them till I'm dead. <laughs> but I mean, I remember first starting out and, and getting into, you know, the whole self-development and starting to speak at conferences with these big, big speakers. I mean, one of my first big speaking engagements was, was with Mel Robbins and Jay Shetty and Lewis Howes and Brenda Burchard. And then there was me and I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember, um, some of the speakers that were so kind to me and, and gave me words of encouragement and told me things that gave me that hope that, okay, yeah, I can do this. Like I remember, you know, talking to Mel Robbins backstage and she was like, just keep doing what you're doing. Cause we need more female speakers. And when you can do that for other people, especially when they're first starting out, 
that just gives you such, you know, encouragement to keep moving forward. So I think that especially with, you know, times are tough. And if we can just encourage each other and, you know, give each other some inspiration, encouragement, especially women who, you know, are trying to do it all like, like you, Allie, like you're, you're, you have two little ones, you have your podcast, you have your business, you've got, you know, you're doing podcast interviews yourself. And if we can just like share our experience with each other and, and help each other along, I think the world is a better place. Yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right. And thank you. I mean, on me, I mean, I have to say like to that point, like, you know, yes, we have started a friendship out of you know, connecting and social media and everything, but you also gave me hope. You also, you know, helped me find that light when I was talking to you and I was frustrated because everything had been taken away from me because of COVID, which is a lot of people's realities right now. And I was like, I don't even know where to start and I want to rebrand and I'm so confused and I don't even know where to look at myself and how to put this together now doing all these things as a mom of two. And like, you were that hope, like you were able to say to me, like, think about the things that tie back to you. Like, what is your core mission? What is your why? And really help me think about that. And then also help me really figure out like my resilience in this time and how that's helped me. So to that note, like, how do you feel you strengthen and like work through the resilience to get through these hard times right now? Because these are hard times for all of us, no matter what you're going through, this pandemic, I would say is probably the hardest for anyone's ever gone through for the most part. Yeah. And you know what I will say, like, first of all, there's no way I could do it alone. There's no way I could. I tried that and it didn't work. I mean, when I was first diagnosed with CRPS and my world fell apart, I mean, I'd lost my career. Um, I lost my joy, my confidence. I hated the way I looked. I, I hated myself and hates a four letter word in our family. And um, it wasn't until I got to a point where, you know, I didn't want to go on. I was really thinking, well, you know, my my daughters could have a better mom. They could find another mom. You know, my husband could find another wife. They deserve so much better. This is not what they bargained for. This is not what I bargained for. I'd be better off dead. Like those are my thoughts. And thank God, you know, there was that little bit of light left in me. Cause I all, I think we all have that light within us and we have to find ways to keep that light burning bright. And for me, the first step to finding that light was, well, that's the grace part of the book is God. I ask God for help. And, um, you know, I've got a, a connection with my higher power who I call God. And I feel like God was there for me in that moment and gave me enough courage to reach out and ask a friend for help and say, Hey man, I, I need help. I'm struggling because on the outside, I was trying to hold it all together and pretend like I wasn't in pain. I was trying to pretend like there was nothing wrong. And on the inside, I was, I was hanging on by thread. I was barely like getting through the day and I couldn't keep pulling off that like double life where I was pretending to be fine, but really I was dying inside. And, um, that was the first step was just reaching out for, for help. And when you're in pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, or you're struggling a lot of times, you know, for me, I felt like I was all alone. Like 
nobody would understand what I was going through. And I really isolated myself and I started shutting. You know, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I think the the hardest thing for me to do was to pick up the phone and make a phone call and reach out to a friend and say, I need help. And you know what? That first friend was like, oh yeah, sure. You know, I'm going to help you. We're going to get together with a group of women, this and that. And I never heard back. And I, I only share that because sometimes your friends, they, they may really want to help you, but they just might not have the time or they may not be able to. And so don't let that stop you from reaching out for help in another way. At this time, um, I had started drinking a lot. I was trying to, you know, none, none of the pain, the treatments I was doing, medical procedures, none of it was working for pain until, you know, I discovered wine and I discovered that wine was really helping numb the pain and also stuff down all the feelings of, you know, inadequacy that I had and, and, you know, shame and all those feelings. And, and I started drinking every single day and I knew that I had a problem. It ran in my family. You know, I thought, Oh, I was so different from people in my family who had problems with, you know, who were alcoholics or drug addicts. I'm an athlete. Well, lo and behold, I turned into an alcoholic. And so I Googled a 12 step program and I share this because I had so much shame around that for a long time, but my sobriety is one of the most, is besides my relationship with God, my, my higher power is the most important thing. If I don't have my sobriety, then I don't have a relationship like I want to with my family, with my daughters. I don't have the business I have. And so that took so much courage and I had so much shame around that because I went from being, you know, an athlete and so healthy to, I, I remember thinking the first time I walked into um, a room of a 12 step program, I remember going, how did a good girl like me end up in a place like this? And you know what? Our, all our rock bottoms are different. We all hit a bottom, but we can stop. We don't have to keep digging and going down lower. We can choose to go, wait a minute. This is not what I want my life to look like. I choose differently. I want more out of life. I want to be more. I want to do more. And so I think once we realize we have a choice, we take our power back. And so I think for, for me to, to continue to be resilient, it was really being acceptance in acceptance for where, you know, I was in my journey. So I think that acceptance is really like sometimes hard. We don't want to admit that maybe, you know, our marriage isn't where we would like it to be or our relationship with our, our kids aren't where they, you know, want to be. Or maybe it's that, you know, you don't want to take a look at, uh, weight gain, that you're unhealthy or whatever that might be. For me, I had gained, oh my God, I, I went, I was as heavy as I was. I weighed as much um, as I did when I was nine months pregnant. So I was like, let go of my health. I, you know, my, I remember getting a phone call from the doctor and he was like, your liver enzymes are really elevated. Like, 
triple the amount what they should be. And I'm like, huh, I don't know what that's about. And I was in like such denial. Um, until we take a look at what is really going on in our life, we can't do things to fix it. So as soon as we can be in acceptance or in awareness of what is going on, we can take steps to fix it. And so I think that's a first step. And then to be resilient isn't like I just decided, okay, I'm going to be resilient and I'm resilient and now I'm good. It's, it is waking up every single day and doing the work, being willing to do the work. And it's not easy. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy. I mean, it's, it's really hard to live with a nerve disease that leaves you in constant chronic pain. I mean, as we sit here, I've got one shoe off, one shoe on, um, because my foot hurts so much. I, I can only have one shoe on, but I decide that I'm going to do my best no matter what. So that means I have a routine. I have a daily routine. I have a morning routine. Um, I work out as the, the, to the best of my ability every day, I've changed my eating. You know, I've cut out alcohol because I know that it flares my nerve disease up even more. I eat as healthy as I can. Of course, I slip up every once in a while. But I also believe that to be resilient is to surround yourself with people who are inspired and passionate and kind and supportive and people that are going to, you know, they're going to be there for you when the going gets tough. And so I think by doing those things, it really helps you to, to get stronger, to persevere, to get through those hard times. But um anybody listening, I, I would say the first thing to do is really take a look at your life and where you are. And I think that this time during COVID has allowed a lot of people to do that, to really make some decisions. And is this how I want my life to get continue to go? And, you know, there was um, some video on social media and it kind of, it really hit me today. I, I, I saw a video and they were like, you know, live your day. Like if this were your last day, what, what would you do differently? How would you be like, would you, and I thought about that. Would I worry about the small stuff? Would I be too embarrassed to do that post or that video? Or would I, you know, feel if this was my last day, would I like not have as much, you know, would I reach out to that person that I really want to reach out to? Um, you know, would I be more fearless? And so I think that this is a good time to really reflect on that. Like, what do you want to do with your life? Who do you want to show up as in the world? What kind of mom do you want to be? What kind of best friend do you want to be? And I think about like, what kind of wife do I want to be? Um, and so that helps me really, you know, get rid of a lot of distractions and really focus on what's important. I think that's such a great message. And Thank you for being so vulnerable and like honest and raw about that because I think that especially you and I have talked about offside the podcast is social media can be such a highlight reel and such a pretty space and people don't realize that like people are vulnerable behind those you know squares and like life can be hard and especially right now during COVID we all can kind of second guess things 
or you know make decisions that maybe we don't think are great decisions or fall into some kind of spiral because it's easy to and all these different things and so i appreciate you being so honest about that and so when you say you know doing the work what does that mean to you and what would the message be to others listening because i love that you said like you continue to show up you continue to do the work what does that mean to amberly oh man that means when you want to give up when you want to throw in the towel that you, for me, focus on your why. Why is it that you do what you want to do? And that will get you through almost any how. And so I share that because, you know, there have been so many times where I've had people go, yeah, right. You want to write a book? Really? You don't even have a college education. Good luck with that. You don't even own a computer. You want to write a book? Oh, no way. And you know, I focused on the reason why I wanted to write a book. And my intention behind my why was I really wanted to share, you know, everything I did throughout my recovery journey that helped me find hope and inspiration and feel empowered again. And so I focused on that and I was like, okay, well, I am going to figure this out. I am going to you know, do what it takes and I'm going to show up every day and I'm going to write a little book, a little bit about the book, you know, every single day. And, you know, it was, it's scary to do things that are not in your comfort zone. I mean, I remember, you know, I took this class for writing and because of my work schedule and my daughters, I couldn't take the beginning class. So the instructor let me take the advanced class and there I was in class with published authors and screenplay writers and like published poets and brilliant best-selling authors. And then there was me and we had to do, you know, our, our assignment for the class and we had to stand up in front of the class and read what we had written. And that was one of the scariest things for me to get up in front of that class and read and, and, I read in what's now part of my book and I sat down after I read and my hands were trembling and the, the pages that I was reading were shaking. They were shaking as I was reading and Jack Grapes was a teacher and he said, Amberly, why did you take my class? And I said, well, I want to write a book. And I was crying in front of everybody in the class because I had just shared some vulnerable moments from the scene of the accident. And he said, well, let me tell you something. You may have been intimidated by everyone in here, but after reading that or hearing that, everyone in here is intimidated by you. You will write a book. And I was like, oh my gosh, that gave me that little bit of confidence that I needed to, to do it, to write the book. And so, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to write a book and I'll get around to it someday. It was like, no, that was my first, you know, that was my priority for work. And so every day I wrote no matter what. And, um, and so no matter what it is that you're doing, if you, you know, if you want to start a podcast, then 
you have to do the homework and show up every day and carve out time in your calendar to do that thing that's so important to you. You know, for me, I want to feel better. So I wake up every day, um, two hours usually before anyone else in the family wakes up. So I can have my morning routine, which is have quiet time, have time for prayer, have meditation, get my workout, um, have time to write. Um, and I have a gratitude practice. And what that means is um, that gets my mindset right. So before I start my day, before I open up the phone, and I, I really cannot stress enough to not look at your, you know, do not look at your phone when you first wake up, have your morning routine, because when you wake up and you look at your phone, that sets your tone for the day. Other people are pulling at you. Other people's posts, they're, they're, they're really getting in the way of what are your intentions? And so by starting your day, by setting your intentions with a gratitude practice and really focusing on what it is that you're grateful for and, you know, not just to write it down, but really feel it. And it doesn't have to be like, Oh, I'm grateful I have a roof over my head, which yes, I'm grateful to have a roof over my head, but really like the small things like for me is I am grateful that I could stand up today and walk when for so long I was stuck in a hospital bed or I am so grateful that today the sky is blue because in California we've had so many fires and today I can actually see the sun shining. So whatever it is you're grateful for. And then I have an accountability partner. So I text her three things that I'm grateful for. She texts me three things back. And I think accountability is key. Like if you want to do something important, find a friend that you can be accountable to or hire a coach and be accountable. Put some skin in the game, put some money in it. When you, when you're paying somebody to be accountable, I guarantee you, you are going to show up with what you need to have. Um, done that you were supposed to get done. And so I think that by doing all these things, it allows you to really make progress and get to your goals faster. So no matter what it is that you're doing, um, I'm, I'm, I believe like write things down, get rid of the distractions. Cause I don't know, Allie, do you feel like there are more distractions now than ever? I just feel like there's oh, so yeah. many more distractions. Oh yeah, there's so many more. And I love that you said that about in the morning because I had that become a game changer for me when I had that, was given that advice months ago of like, protect your morning, make yourself a morning routine. Even if, especially of course, for like new moms, it's hard to do, but even if it's just five minutes to give to yourself, so that you set yourself up for the tone of the day being what you want it to be in your intention, even if it doesn't go that way, versus like what you just said that resonated so hard, which was everyone pulling at you from the phone to the emails, to the social media, to the this, to that. And you don't realize how consumed you become. And all of a sudden, it's not even an hour into your day and you feel exhausted and tired and upset and all these emotions. And you don't even realize that like, half those emotions are maybe being triggered by something else. It's not even you starting the day that way. Exactly. Exactly. And so by you at least having time in the morning to ground yourself, you are set up for the day. You can take a look at your day. You can be in control of your day versus being scattered and distracted because there are always going to be a million distractions, especially 
you know, things that come up, you know, we've talked about that when we weren't recording, like things come up, you know, email doesn't work. Things come up with the kids, you know, um, got an email from a teacher, uh, yeah. whatever it is, there's, there's always distractions, but if you are grounded, um, and you know what your intentions are for that day. Like I, I have a list. I still have a calendar where I write things out and I have a sticky note of to do things that are the most important to do, um, on my desk. And then every night before I go to bed, I will write down things that I need to get done for tomorrow. And that way I can go to bed and I'm not sitting there thinking about, Oh, I have so much to do tomorrow. What it's, it's written down. I can let it go. And, you know, at night, my daughter and I also talk about what we're grateful for. And I ask her, what was the best part of your day? And that helps you wake up in a better place the next day. It's all like this continual, you know, cycle of making sure that you have this really solid foundation. So when things don't go as planned, when, when life gets hard, you know that you can get through it because you're, you're solid. You've got this routine down. You are, you've been working on your resilience for a while. And so that's why I think that I've been, believe me, I've got days where I've cried days that have been really hard days that are just like, I feel suffocated um, from so much going on and the smoke in the air or whatever it was. But, but I know that I can go back and get grounded. I can check in with myself. We have that ability to go in and find our inner peace. And the more we do these things, the quicker we can get back to that inner peace. And so, yeah, I think that um, routines are, I am able to find my inner peace a lot faster because I have these routines set in place. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that because I think you just saying that with that foundation truly explains how you do like mentally and physically stay tough, how, you know, you are able to be resilient, how you work on your self-care, your self-acceptance, you know, the power of gratitude. It's all kind of intertwined. You can hear it for yourself in your foundation and what you do and who you are and what you believe. And you truly practice what you preach. And I know this and I love that about you, but you can hear it when you're saying it, like that fire behind you is like, I'm doing all these things, not only to show up for myself, but to show up for the world as well to give them hope. And I think that that's like the message if you're going to take away from today's, you know, episode, it's like hope can spark so much. And then what do you do with that hope? And look what you've created and what you've done with true grit and grace and what you continue to do, even in COVID and everything. I mean, you've had, you know, you have all these amazing talks you're doing, you have another major talk coming up and you're still giving advice and being inspiring. So tell us about, you know, real quick before I let you go, like, what is it that, you know, you are sharing right now where we can find you and, you know, check out these inspirational conversations and advice that you give. Oh, thank you so much. Well, um, I'm not sure when this episode will be coming out. It'll but... be actually out this week because it's that. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> you are quick, girl. You are so quick. Yeah. So I have, um, if you go to my Instagram, Amberly Lago Motivation, you can see all the upcoming events. I have some speaking events coming up. One is actually happening today on health and wellness. But I also, I'm doing, if it's coming out this week, I'm actually doing Wednesday is women's health and fitness day. It's like national women's health and fitness day. And so I'm doing a 30 day challenge. I did it last year 
uh, it was just, it wasn't something I planned out, but after I did this post, I couldn't believe how many people showed up to do this challenge every day. And what it is, is every day we, for 30, we move our body for 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You just move your body for 30 days in a row and tag me uh, at Amberly Lago Motivation. Um, and also, you know, I share it in my stories and it just builds this community and we keep each other accountable to move our bodies because when you move your body, you move your mind. And so I thought I'm going to do it again this year because it ended up being so much fun last year. And most of the people that took part in it were people that were the most physically challenged. So, I mean, if they can do it, we can all do it. And then, um, I really encourage people to stay connected. Um, I answer all my messages. You can text me at 818-214-7378. Um, it's a way to stay connected. It's a way to reach out. Um, and then you can always visit me at amberlylago.com. Um, That's where you can find my podcast, True Grit and Grace, or my book, True Grit and Grace, or you can also see my TED Talk is up there too. So yeah, reach out at 818-214-7378. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Amberly, for being on and being like, you know, just truly such a light and a spark of hope in so many, especially right now. I can't thank you enough as myself, as a friend, and also just for everyone else out there. So till next time, guys, stay motivated, keep the hope, and cheers. Bye.